Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. Heading into the holiday shopping season, big retailers are hoping to offload all the excess inventory from recent months and also balance how much to discount items to move those products. The good thing is that it means there's more promotions and sales for customers, but will they be the products that people want? The main items we'll see the deepest discounts in will be computers, electronics, and toys, but many of these things are left over from pandemic delays. For more on what to know as retailers continue to do anything to attract customers, we'll speak to Melissa Repko, retail reporter at CNBC. So inventory has really been a problem for a lot of retailers, particularly ones that have seen the tide turn with some of these popular pandemic categories. One of them was apparel. You know, a lot of people were buying loungewear and pajamas and things like that. They were also getting computer monitors for working at home. A lot of those categories have fallen from favor. Another one would be home goods as people stocked up on small kitchen appliances and were cooking more at home. So a lot of the excess stuff that retailers have are things that people don't want. So even as they discount them, it's hard to get these items to move in some cases if they're not on the top of people's wish list. And the problem here is also as you discount as a retailer, you're making less money on every item you sell. And for customers, while it is a good thing to have some bargains here, on the other hand, it's also trickier to find some of that fresher, newer types of of goods that you might want for Christmas. So we've seen this week that both Walmart and Target have made significant progress in clearing out some of that older inventory. And both of their inventory was down quite a bit. For both of them, it was about you know 13 or 14 percent year over year, which was much better than a quarter of ago. So both of them were pleased by that. And today we heard from Macy's, which reported that it also feels in a better spot with its inventory. Its inventory had not been up quite as much. But the CEO of Macy's was saying that Macy's is in a better spot because at the end of last quarter, when it was only up 7% year over year versus double digits, like some of its competitors, it was able to bring in some of those giftable items, things that people can wear to holiday parties. And so he was saying that he thinks it puts them in a better spot going into the holidays. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as these retailers are ordering stuff, they're ordering things months in advance. And, you know, we know all the delays that happened through the pandemic. We've talked about them before. And that's kind of what caused the glut. It was tough to get things off of those containers and the ships and everything. And they so they just had so much. But what I hear a lot of is what we have is computers, electronics, and toys, which, I mean, it's kind of good going into the holiday season. But as you mentioned, right, a lot of people already have that stuff. But that that's basically where the majority of this excess inventory is coming from. Exactly. And one of the interesting ones to watch next week will be Best Buy. Best Buy, of course, sells a lot of TVs. It sells a lot of laptops. It sells a lot of consumer electronics. And some of those items have fallen from favor. So next week, we'll get a better sense of how it is doing. It did have relatively low inventory, but that may have changed depending on how the past three months have gone with sales. So what we're seeing in some of these promotions that are going to be going on, sometimes, you know, you can get a great deal more than 20% off on certain things like that. But we've seen a lot of promotions already start in the summer. This is going to be extending, you know, into the holiday season. So really, a lot of people just got to pay attention to see what's out there, what's going to be going on sale. Exactly. One of the interesting dynamics that's come up now with several different retailers, Macy's being one, Target being another, and Kohl's being the third, is that all three companies spoke about seeing a lull in sales in the the last few weeks of October going into November. And the real question is whether consumers are holding out, feeling like there will be better bargains around Black Friday, or if they're just getting more price sensitive and going to be shopping less in general over the holidays. So there's a big question in the air about What's going on? Why was there a lull in October going into November? What does that mean? Is it that this customer thinks, you know, all the biggest and best sales are coming down the pike? Or are they saying, you know, I really got to watch the budget this year? Right, totally. I mean, we're hitting this all-time high inflation right now. So, I mean, it's eased just a tiny bit, but overall prices are high all over the place. And you're right, you know, like last year, because people were still fearing of a lot of shortages, they were buying way early. This time, maybe they are holding out for those bigger traditional sales, right? That Black Friday sales and like just in the last couple of weeks. So the buying habits from year to year have shifted already. Yes. One of the interesting theories that Jeff Gannett raised today when I was speaking to him about Macy's is that he was saying that he thinks perhaps the lull was really just people kind of gearing up for another spending spree and that he thinks that one indicator of that could be that people are still coming into Macy's stores and still going to the website in the same frequency, but instead of buying, they were browsing. So maybe they were scoping out what might be some of the gift items or looking for a holiday dress, but not making the purchase. And he said perhaps people are reverting to more of the pre-pandemic shopping behavior where they shop a little bit closer to Christmas rather than earlier like they did last year. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because we're talking about the retail sector. We're talking about holiday shopping and all that. For a lot of people out there, it's really tough financially, right? Managing just food and gas prices and shelter. But this part of it is also so important to the economy, right? You know, if, uh, you know, we have a really bad holiday shopping season, so to speak, it impacts the economy in so many other ways, too. Exactly. And that was one of the things that was raised by both Walmart and Target. Both of them sell a lot of things that people consider necessities, paper towels, toilet paper, milk, eggs, things like that, even basics like socks. And both of them spoke about people pulling back on what they want and focusing more on what they need. And that really hurt Target, which is known for a lot of impulse purchases, kind of a lot of fun finds that might be, you know, a creative snack that you can get in their grocery department or just a tube of lipstick, whereas Walmart has more of a grocery business. And so it's, it's helped them that they sell a lot of those need-to-have items. But both of them really talked about, you know, people 
thinking a little bit more carefully about how they spend their dollars. That didn't show up quite as much for Macy's. And so it's really an interesting time because we're hearing some conflicting indicators. And hopefully in the coming days and weeks, we'll get a clearer picture of where the consumer's head is at. Melissa Repko, retail reporter at CNBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. In health news, it's been called a game changer when it comes to weight loss. But some people who have taken this drug say it's changing their taste buds. Semaglutide is the key ingredient in drugs like Wegovi and Ozempic, which have helped people lose as much as 15 to 20 percent of their body weight. It makes you feel full and reduces cravings, but it's making some disgusted by their favorite foods. For more on what to know, we'll speak to Anna Madaris, health correspondent at Insider. It's a really fascinating drug, and I think it's gotten all this attention, like you mentioned, from Hollywood and other celebrities who can get it pretty easily, even with shortages. And I think a lot of people were kind of wondering, like, what's the downside? Like, this seems like such a miracle drug. We've been looking for something like this for so long. And doctors have been calling it things like game changers, which experts are usually pretty conservative, saying things like that. So anyway, we are learning that there there definitely do seem to be downsides, specifically when it comes to people's, you know, desires for different foods and their taste buds themselves. So it's been really interesting because it's not necessarily, I think what, you know, intrigued me about this was not just people have a suppressed appetite, which you would expect on a drug like this, but some people are reporting that it's more than that. They actually, you know, will walk in to their former favorite fast food place and have to walk out because they're suddenly repulsed by the smell. Or same thing with coffee. The woman that I interviewed, you know, went to go pour her morning coffee after starting the drug and all of a sudden she just poured it out. She just couldn't stomach it and she'd had it every day since the seventh grade and she was 40. So (laughs) it's really changing people's daily habits and even identities. As I mentioned in the beginning, right, so these drugs are mostly were made for management of diabetes. So the drugs boost production of insulin, um, it helps regulate the blood sugar, and, and it, the other thing is it really kind of regulates the, your you know, want of food, right? It gets you full a little faster, keeps you full longer, and uh, it helps, uh, I guess, in slowing digestion also. Why do they think that it might be affecting the taste buds specifically? Yeah, there's a few theories. You mentioned a couple of them, you know, that aren't even necessarily just about the taste buds, but more just, you know, how this affects the reward system. And I previously wrote about people reporting that they suddenly weren't interested in alcohol anymore and kind of how that could potentially lead to addiction treatments. Um, with, with the same, so with the same the, drug? Yeah, the same drug. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing that is going on in some capacities here where when things that used to be pleasurable to you, whether that's sugar or fat or alcohol, things that are really crafted to get a reward system and overdrive, suddenly that's kind of camped down by this drug. And so people may be trying these foods that they used to love and all of a sudden they're not really getting that buzz, if you will, <laughs> that they used to. So they just don't go back to it. But yeah, as you mentioned, there also seems to be more going on where people, you know, are tasting something and all of a sudden, you know, a French fry is now bitter. Or, you know, the woman that I talked to also said, you know, she thought that Kit Kats just had the best kind of chocolate of any candy bar. And she tried one for Halloween and she just said it did not taste like a Kit Kat. And so, you know, the only one possibility here is that the, you know, taste buds actually have hormone receptors in them. And this drug interacts with the hormonal system and the specific pathway that it interacts with is found in taste cells, if you will. So 
the neuroscientist I talked to thought, you know, maybe there's something going on here where when you kind of mess up that pathway where your taste buds are telling your brain what tastes good or not, that can kind of get hijacked where something suddenly tastes bitter or something tastes sour that before didn't. So it's it's definitely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure as, as this drug has caught on in this way, there will probably be a lot more studies now trying to look at that effect of it. As I mentioned, we I keep going back to it. These drugs are originally approved for diabetes management. So we'll have mm-hmm. to see if, uh, you know, regulators even want to look into it as more of a weight loss thing. I know Wegovy's been approved, but, you know, the other ones haven't yet. And some of the other experts you spoke to talk about how the adjustments are emotional, right? You know, you used to love these mm-hmm. things, but as anybody knows, if you've even had a you know lap band or something, when you overeat, when you kind of let it get a, a hold of you or something, you have nausea, bloating, you know, digestive distress, and it's kind of in the same vein, right? You don't really know how it's going to affect you, and it can be pretty emotional. These these uh, changes. Yeah, I think that's what drew me to this aspect the most. Just how you know how much eating and food are a part of our daily habits and lives and do bring us a lot of pleasure, not just for the taste, but just the the rituals that surround them. And when all of a sudden you take that away, you you have a lot of free time. You maybe don't want to go hang out with your friends if that's always revolving around food. And that is leaving a lot of people feeling a sense of loss, actually. And I think the different thing here than like a lap band surgery where you actually do have to consult with psychologists ahead of time and you kind of know what you're getting into. For this drug, it's, you know, people, again, are expecting that their appetite is going to be lessened, but they're not expecting their entire, you know, life to be turned upside down and, you know, their, their morning coffee shop that they used to really enjoy and they had a regular order there suddenly they don't want to step foot in that anymore and so you know the question now is kind of how can they find ways to fill those voids that you know if they ever do go off the drug because you don't necessarily want to be on this for life but we still have to see if people can maintain this weight loss after they're off the drug and if those old tastes will return or if this is really something that you know now they're going to have a new way of eating for the rest of their lives. Anna Madaris, health correspondent at Insider. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year 
at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. In politics, we've seen Republicans take control of the House. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has announced that she will not seek any more Democratic leadership. And Democrats do control the Senate still. In the midterm elections, Democrats overperformed, and they can attribute that to independent voters that broke their way. Despite the GOP holding the edge on top issues, independent voters were turned off by candidates that were too closely aligned with Trump. For more on how independents decided the midterms, we'll speak to Aaron Zittner, politics reporter at The Wall Street Journal. The Republican Party really did accomplish something that it wanted to do, and that is it brought its voters out to the polls in the electorate overall nationally, and in a lot of these states with competitive Senate races, there were a lot more Republican voters than Democratic voters. But in the course of bringing out these Republican voters, at least in those competitive Senate states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, in the course of bringing out the Republican core voters, Republicans apparently chased the voters in the political center away from the Republican Party and the independent voters swung Democratic, which is a big surprise because if you had looked at the polling of independent voters, up for grab voters, undecided voters, you would have seen that they were very sour on the economy. They had very little faith in President Biden to fix the situation. In other words, they were answering poll questions like Republicans do. And yet, they voted Democratic. And we have to conclude that they voted Democratic most in states where abortion and where the 2020 election and the future of democracy were salient issues. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, aside from the current economic climate and President Biden's low approval ratings, right, historically, the midterms usually are a referendum on the party in power. So even people were just expecting people to break Republican just because of that. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, just turning their people out, uh, Republicans won nearly 5.5 million more votes in House races. And But in all of the lead up to this, I mean, you expected in the primary for people to be a little more on the fringes, but all leading up into these the, the final midterm votes, you were seeing, you know, headlines about, you know, hundreds of candidates that are election deniers, things like that. And, and some of this stuff, you know, really started turning people off. And this is a historical anomaly. I think President Biden is the fifth president in a row to come into the White House, come into office with both the House and the Senate of his own party and enjoying one party governing one party rule in Washington. And then he looks like he's going to be the fifth president in a row to lose that one party rule. So the weight of history is that this election would have swung very heavily against the party that holds the White House, the House and Senate. And when people are unhappy about the economy, you'd think that they would vote against the party in power. And as you said, yes, Uh, 5.5 million people at this point, and these numbers will change, have voted Republican in House races rather than in Democratic in House races. But it somehow hasn't translated to a lot of Republican gains. And again, in the Senate, this was Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican senator who's retiring, said, the more MAGA you were, the more pro-Trump you were, the more you underperformed with independent voters. And how many of those independent voters are out there? So the midterm voter pool had about 30% of independent voters. So that's a a lot of people. And, you know, the question for a lot of Republicans is obviously that Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Looking back on it is how much time did you spend 
trying to turn out the base versus how much time did you spend on what these independent voters are doing. And, you know, in this current state of polarization that we see all the time, you kind of know the tribes stick to each other already. So you really need to make those wins in the middle. You really do. And the door was open because of the economy and low approval rating for Donald Trump. The door was open for Republicans to have a conversation with independent voters. But if you walked through the door as a Republican candidate to shake the hand of an independent voter, and the first thing you were going to talk about was the 2020 election, you weren't going to get a handshake back. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is in some states, Republican candidates chased away Republican voters. According to the exit polls that we use in Arizona, 14 percent of people who said they were Republicans voted against Blake Masters, the Republican candidate for Senate, and voted for Mark Kelly, the Democratic incumbent. So there are places, I think Pennsylvania was the same, where more people crossed party lines to vote against the Republican Senate candidate than the other way around, the Democrats losing their voters to the Republican candidate. And at least for this story and some of the reporting from you and your colleague in Arizona, as you mentioned earlier, abortion seemed to play a big part of that, you know, where some of the Republican candidates were very hard line on abortion, maybe didn't support it, even in the case of rape or incest. And, and you know, that just wasn't where voters wanted to be, at least the the voters in the middle, right, is what we're talking about. So abortion played a huge thing for the Democrats. I think so. And look at a state like Michigan, which is a presidential swing state. It's a state that went for Donald Trump in 2016 and then swung back to Biden in 2020, you know, kind of narrow, very close elections. Gretchen Whitmer, the Democratic uh, and governor there, won by about 10 percentage points. Her opponent, Uh, Tudor Dixon had a very hard line on abortion and uh, opposed abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. In Pennsylvania, another swing state, that was another state that voted for Donald Trump and very narrowly by less than one percentage point and then swung to Biden. He won the state by 1.2 percentage points. Again, a very narrow, closely divided state in presidential elections. The gubernatorial candidate there, Doug Mastriano, opposed abortion rights in all cases and had no exceptions for a rape, incest, or the life of the mother for abortion. And he lost by a landslide margin as well. So where Republicans took these hard lines, they turned very close states into not such close elections. Aaron Zittner, politics reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, glad to be with you. Don't forget to join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
if you dare. <laughs>